1: Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Park Lawn Corporation 4th Quarter 2020 Earnings Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Jennifer Hay, General Counsel. Please go ahead.
2: Thank you, Lindsay, and good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining joining us on our call today. Today's call is being recorded, and a replay will be available after the call is completed. Please be aware that certain information discussed today is forward-looking in nature. Any such information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially. Please see our public filings for more information regarding forward-looking statements. During the call, we will reference non-IFRS financial measures. Although we believe these measures provide useful supplemental information about our financial performance, they are not recognized measures and do not have standardized meanings under IFRS. Please see our public filings for additional information regarding our non-IFRS financial measures, including for reconciliations to the nearest IFRS measures. I will now hand the call over to Parkland's CEO, Brad Green, to open our discussion today.
3: Thank you, Jennifer, and good morning, everyone. In addition to Jennifer, with me on the call today is our CFO, Dan Millett. I'll begin with the discussion of our business highlights in the quarter, and Dan will follow with a more detailed review of our financial results. I will then provide a brief outlook of what we expect from our businesses going forward. After our prepared remarks, we will, of course, take your questions. In another challenging quarter, ParkLine demonstrated exceptional results. We achieved revenue of $93.3 million with comparable growth in revenue at our businesses of approximately 21% for the quarter and earned adjusted EBITDA of $24.2 million. Our adjusted EBITDA margin increased 6.6% to 26.1% for the fourth quarter and increased 2.1% to 24.1% year over year. While the U.S. and Canada experienced an increase in COVID mortality during the fourth quarter, our team was prepared to meet this increased demand and the need for our services and support. The integration of our operations over the past year allowed us to more effectively support our client families in this very difficult period as we were able to provide services where others either couldn't or wouldn't. As a result, in addition to the increase in the death rate, we believe we have also experienced an increase in market share in multiple markets. In addition to our strong operating performance for the fourth quarter, we are excited to announce significant activity on the M&A front. Prior to the end of Q4, we purchased a bolt-on funeral home strategically located in Benbrook, Texas, which will tuck in nicely with our Dallas-Fort Worth operations. More recently, we executed a series of purchase agreements in three existing core markets for Park Lawn, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Wisconsin. In Asheville and Weaverville, North Carolina, we will be acquiring one funeral home and three cemeteries. In Tennessee, we will be adding two funeral homes, three cemeteries, and one cremation business located in the greater Columbia area. Finally, in Wisconsin, the businesses consist of five funeral homes and one cremation business in and surrounding Appleton each of these businesses complement and expand existing park lot operations these four transactions represent approximately 1659 polls and 456 internments annually and once fully integrated are expected to add approximately 3.6 million us dollars in adjusted EBITDA the three executed deals are all expected to close by the end of uh, excuse me by may 1st subject to regulatory approval. I'd now like to turn the call
4: over to Dan to review our financial results in more detail. Thanks, Brad, and good morning, everyone. You'll find a detailed breakdown of our fourth quarter and annual results in our financial statements and MD&A, which are available on our website and on Sedar. My comments this morning will focus on our fourth quarter operating results. During the fourth quarter, we saw increases in that need call volume, and correspondingly our total revenue was $93.3 million compared to $69 million for the same three-month period in 2019. This represents an increase of $24.3 million or 35% over the same period in 2019. Excluding the impact of currency fluctuations, revenue growth from comparable business units in Q4 2020 was 20.9% over Q4 2019. The increase in revenue from comparable business units was seen in both our cemetery and funeral businesses, primarily due to increases in at-need services and is likely correlated to the increased COVID-19 related mortality in the fourth quarter. However, it is also important to note that many of the acquisitions made during 2019 are now fully integrated and as a result, have seen significant improvements in their operating capabilities. For example, acquisitions made in 2019, such as Bowie, Horan, and the Journey Group, as well as recent acquisitions, such as Family Legacy, Harpeth Hills, and Floyd, have experienced sales increases over the comparable quarter and internal expectations, making a a meaningful contribution to our results. The company's operating expenses, including general and administrative, advertising and selling and maintenance expenses increased approximately $10.3 million for the three-month period ended December 31, 2020 over the same period in 2019. The majority of the increase is due to the acquisitions of the Journey Group in Q4 2019, Harpeth Hills Family Legacy in Q1 2020, and the the Bowers and Floyd transactions in Q4 2020. Other increases in operating costs were experienced in line with increased sales, but also as a result of changes completed within our corporate infrastructure in Q4 2019. These corporate changes were, by and large, normalized at the end of Q4 2020, and we expect these improvements to support the current composition of the business business, with some expected future growth. As a result of exceptional sales within the quarter, strategic acquisitions made over the past 24 months and an effective use of capital, I am pleased to report that our quarterly earnings were up significantly over the same period in 2019. Our net earnings, attributable to PLC shareholders in Q4 2020, was $6.3 million or 20.9 cents per share compared to $0.5 million or 1.8 cents per share in 2019. Furthermore, adjusted net earnings attributable to PLC shareholders for the fourth quarter of this year was $10.5 million or $0.35 per share compared to $4.8 million or $0.16 per share in Q4 of 2019. This represents an increase of almost 120% in adjusted earnings per share. Our adjusted EBITDA attributable to PLC shareholders for the current quarter was $24.2 million, or 81 cents per share, compared to $13.4 million, or 45 cents per share for the same period in 2019. This represents an increase in the adjusted EBITDA per share of 79% over the same period in 2019. Next, let me say a few words about our balance sheet. We ended the fourth quarter with approximately $144.8 million drawn on our revolving credit facility other debt of approximately $12.3 million and cash on hand of $31.5 million. Excluding our hybrid debentures, our net debt was approximately $125.5 million at the end of December. Also, our leverage ratio was approximately 1.55 times based on the terms of our credit facility and approximately 2.61 times including our outstanding debentures. With our balance sheet currently well-positioned for anticipated growth, we believe our liquidity of approximately $105 million after the recently announced acquisition subsequent to year-end will provide us the ability to take advantage of the M&A opportunities we are currently pursuing and allow us to further drive earnings per share growth. Finally, as expected with another strong quarter, our pre-need backlog has continued to expand As at December 31, 2020, our pre-need backlog consisting of deferred revenue and pre-need trust funds totaled $469 million, compared to $409 million as of December 31, 2019. Additionally, our pre-need insurance backlog, while not recorded on our balance sheet, was $369 million as at December 31, 2020, versus $288 million as at December 31, 2019. Financially, it was a very successful year for Park Lawn, but it came with unique challenges, opportunities and developments that won't soon be forgotten. Our ability to maintain and improve operations, integrate several large acquisitions and provide exceptional service to our client families are a true testament to our focus on being North America's premier funeral, cremation and cemetery provider and the indisputable choice for funeral and cemetery services in the communities we serve. I will now turn the call back to Brad for some comments regarding 2021 and closing remarks. Thanks, Dan.
3: 2020 has been an unprecedented year where the need for our services has been like no other time in recent history. Our frontline team members have experienced the impact of the pandemic firsthand through the client families we have served, as well as their own personal challenges and experiences. Throughout the year, our frontline team served with professionalism and courage, and their commitment and dedication to the business has been unwavering, driving the successful results that we present today. I am certainly thankful for all their help, support, and hard work, which they consistently provide, with or without a pandemic, and as our investors, I hope you guys appreciate it as well. Looking forward... While we don't expect and certainly do not want to see the volumes we recently experienced in Q4 persist through 2021, there is an expectation of financial growth over our 2020 results, driven primarily through acquisitions, pre-need sales, and continued improvements in our operating performance. As Dan mentioned, the strength of our balance sheet will allow us to continue to grow in the near term through both M&A and organic opportunities. We were excited to announce the four transactions yesterday winscott west wickman and williams which are all fantastic additions to our existing operations in texas north carolina wisconsin and tennessee our m&a pipeline and growth opportunity is a strategic advantage for us and we pride ourselves on our relationships with our former owners as well as our care and understanding of their businesses our pipeline is robust and we will continue to grow through acquisitions in addition While we saw increased at-need services during Q4, our pre-need business has also been a positive driver of top-line growth throughout the year. As the pandemic has created a trigger event, this has allowed for additional conversations around the uncomfortable topic of death and supported our pre-need sales counselors. We don't believe this is something that will soon be forgotten for several years. Finally... As we saw in several of our markets where COVID-related restrictions were relaxed, our average revenue per call rebounded to pre-pandemic levels. We have seen our client families desire to remember their loved ones with a service, whether their choice is barrel or cremation, and our sales team teams continue to support permanent placement in their discussion with client families. It is because of these trends that we expect to see our average revenue per call show growth over our 2020 averages which were obviously impacted by jurisdictional restrictions. So again, even though 2021 will be a challenging comparison to 2020 comparable store volumes, we do have an expectation of financial growth over our 2020 results. That concludes my prepared remarks and I will now turn it over to Lindsay for any questions.
1: As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, Press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster.
0: Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com podcast. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: Our first question comes from the line of George Dumay with Scotiabank. Your line is open.
5: Hey, good morning, guys, and congrats on a very strong quarter. Good morning, George. Thank you. I just wanted to double-click on that 21% comp uh, that you guys experienced. It it looks like the ad need uh, drove a lot of that, but do you you have maybe the organic growth number for the pre-need? And we're at the end of Q1, just kind of wondering how the pre-need business trended um, in in a quarter.
3: So uh, the pre-need business, as I mentioned in my prepared remarks, is continuing to be strong for us through the first quarter uh as jay has pointed out and many times to people who've asked the question uh, uh, the pandemic has caused a trigger event and it makes it a lot easier for people to talk about this and it's on the front of their mind and pre-need planning planning for uh, funerals and cemeteries for parents and loved ones i mean that's something that's going to be on the, again on the front of people's minds going forward uh long after the pandemic we would think two to three years So to answer the question specifically, we still see a strong pre-need growth uh, through the first quarter.
5: Okay. And maybe shifting over to margins, it looks like we hit our 26% goal very early uh, compared to kind of what you guys uh, were looking at timeline-wise. I understand there's some seasonality, but maybe how should we think of uh, the sustainability of those margins um, going forward?
3: So I would love to tell you that we're going to hit 26% margins every quarter through 2021, but I don't think that that is necessarily realistic. I mean, it's our goal. We've been marching towards that 26% margin for the end of 22 for a while. Uh, it would be foolish to, to think that we hit that without, uh, the pandemic being a driver. But at the same time, we started a year ago, actually a year ago to this day, pretty much, uh, rebuilding integrating and doing what we needed to do to get to those margins so while i'm not surprised that we would get there more uh, quicker than the 2022 uh, you also have to basically recognize that part of what was driving that was the pandemic but i do expect to continue that margin march and i still expect that we'll be at 26 percent and maintain 26 percent and higher by the
5: end of 2022 Helpful uh, thanks for that. And just one last one, uh, if I may. I'm M&A obviously very active. Um, uh, it seems like the pipe, it seems like the stream of these that we've been doing in smaller, more creative funds. Uh, I'm just wondering are there any chunkier targets that you're looking at out there? And are there any geographies that you'd like to get into that we're not currently in?
3: Yeah, so that's a good question. And there's no doubt that 2019 saw very large acquisitions on behalf of Parklawn. I know that because I was sourcing them and heading them up personally at the time that that went down. And I would say that was a unique year where we saw that many large acquisitions. So, yeah, George, we're still looking at big ones, but the expectation of growing a company that's gotten to our size is that you will see us do smaller acquisitions and more of them uh, and that's not necessarily bad news, right? They're uh, Bluntly, they're easier to integrate, and they're highly accretive, and they're in markets that we already know, and we have managers in place to run them. Uh, so you will see us do, uh, unlike 2019, where you'll see four or five large acquisitions in a year, I would think that you would see one or two in a given year with a smaller acquisition surrounding that. Uh, and bluntly, I think my team, George, might kill me if I went through 2019 again with the level of the <laughs> pace that we ran at. So, uh, we're, this is a little bit more measured and a little bit more to be, sus- uh, uh, suspected. So to answer your question again specifically, uh, yeah, we're looking at some larger acquisitions, but I think the, the, the ones that you're seeing right now, which I would, I say that there are two on this list that are medium and two are small, uh,
5: that's, that's to be expected on a go forward basis. Okay. Thanks for your answers. I'll pass the line.
1: Our next question comes from Irene Natal with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is now open. Thanks,
6: and Doug, good morning, everyone.
1: Um, Just to follow up, if I may,
6: on the margin question, uh, I'd like to come at it a little bit differently. Presumably, with that strong same-store sales growth, you had some operating leverage. So, How much of the gains do you think were operating leverage and how much were the other factors that you mentioned that could be more sustainable at lower levels of the operating level, at lower levels of same store sales?
3: Yeah, that's a good question, Irene, and I I would answer it this way. Pre pandemic, we had a plan that we were integrating the legacy acquisitions and we had a plan on what we were going to do to increase the margins at the company. Uh, because we had some bluntly uh, businesses that were uh, underperforming. So as we engaged in in, uh, improving those businesses, the pandemic hit. So the question you're asking me is how much of it was as a result of us integrating uh, the legacy businesses and truly becoming one park lawn and breaking down the barriers both between the countries, and then what's pandemic-related? I don't really have an answer for that question because I, I can't define it. If I were forced to give a percentage of it, I would say it was almost half and half and and that's not that's not taking uh, the easy way out. but internally, when we talk about it, it would be foolish to think that we were that this was all as a result of us uh, operating the company better. Uh, but it's also foolish to think it's all the pandemic. So I would literally say 50 50. And I think you can then apply that to to where you think our margins may be by the end of 2021.
6: That's really helpful. Thanks, Brad. And, you know, on this plan to get these underperforming assets up to where the belief was they should be, are you all of the way there? Are you part of the way there? How would you kind of describe it?
3: I would say 80%. Uh, I'd say we're 80% to having uh, the – now, I I believe – That from a management team, right, and that's where the battle starts, from a management team all the way down to frontline employees, the one Park Lawn and being part of Park Lawn, that culture has been driven uh, all the way through the organization, and I'm pretty excited about that, and I think people are pretty excited to work here. That's a big part of the battle. Now we're just basically doing some cleanup on the operation stuff, and we got one or two businesses that have been a little bit more of a challenge to bring up. Uh, and not being able to travel a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic uh, made made that a little more difficult. So it, I would say we're 80% of the way there. And uh, by the end of June, if those businesses aren't where they need to be, then I'm going to start asking tough questions of my own team.
6: Yeah. I don't think we like it when that happens. Um, <laughs> coming back to, to, the, to, to the M&A piece of it, um, you know, the four W's, as it were, what was it in particular about those individual acquisitions that really, uh, that, that really attracted you and what can we learn from that in terms of, of where you might be going next?
3: So they fit, and and let me explain what that means, because they're different sizes. I mean, some of them are, are, one of them is particularly small, and one of them is is bigger than the others. And it's kind of what we look at with all of our acquisitions. The first thing we look at is former owner motivation. Well, they are former owners when we're talking to them, but we look at the owner motivation. Why are they exiting the business, and who are they? Because uh, I was just asked last week if, if, if I could give a prospective uh, acquisition candidate a list of people to talk to. And I said, who do you want to talk to? You can call any of our former owners you want because they're all going to tell you the same thing. So I don't have the five I want you to talk to and the five I hope you don't talk to. So we look at, the form, we look at our owners. Are they a fit? Why are they leaving? And when we get past that point, what does the business look like, right? And, we're, and how do they fit into our organization? Every business that we bought this past quarter fits into our organization well. We already have a management structure in place there. We already have an infrastructure in that state. We basically know who they are. And so whether they're small up to the larger ones, they kind of fit. It's difficult to do four at once. Irene, we're not really staffed for that because the, we have three people in our acquisitions department plus me. And those same people are responsible for it after the acquisition into the operation and the operations people come to the acquisitions as well. We're never going to change that, or at least not why I'm sitting in this chair, because I believe that that's very important to make sure the transition works well. So why did we pick those four? They were a very good fit. We could do them all simultaneously in what is still a challenging environment to do an acquisition, and I'd be lucky to find four good businesses like that again to close this quarter, and we're working on that.
6: Outstanding. And then just one final one, if I might. Uh, where are we on the testing and the rolling out of the new uh, IT platform?
3: Yeah, so FACTS is is uh, rolling out quite well, actually. We did beta testing through the fourth quarter uh, into the first quarter of this year, and we go live tomorrow in one of our markets, kind of FACTS standing alone. Uh, I Would have liked it to roll out faster. I don't know that it's an excuse to say COVID slowed us down, but it's actually the truth. And I fully still expect that that facts will be live and used by the company by the end of this year.
1: Excellent. Thank you. And good luck with that tomorrow. Thank you. Our next question comes from Scott Frumson with CIBC. Your line is now open.
7: On uh, revenues, is is the U.S. number being better expected uh, due mostly to market share gains, or do you see some effect, uh, some pull-forward effect of uh, COVID-19?
3: Hey, Scott, I apologize. but First off, good morning, but I apologize. I missed the first part of your question. I don't know if it was on my end or yours, but do you mind
7: repeating that for me? sure. Sure. Um, just wondering if the uh, better than expected u s revenue number is uh is due mostly to market share gains or would you think there's also some kind of pull forward effect of uh covid nineteen in other words uh, do we do we see some sort of natural uh recession in revenue growth in the uh as the year progresses
3: so that's that's a good question uh pull forward uh, I've, I've been asked that question several times over the past you know quarter or two quarters by uh, investors as well as people within the industry SCI uh, obviously has come out with different modeling they have and they've expressed what they think about that and those guys are pretty smart so it w- I think that it, I think it would be rational to believe that COVID and COVID related deaths did cause a pull forward if you will of deaths into 2020, uh, I just don't like getting in the business of trying to
7: uh,
3: predict what that was or what the number of it was, because I think we can all agree on this phone. Everybody's prediction and model of what COVID did and what would happen with COVID has pretty much been wrong. So I, I know there's a pull forward effect. I just can't put a percentage on it. What's different about us, I believe, is that while Might see some. It might be a tough comparison for same stores of 2021 to 2020. By Parkline, our growth is not there as it is in some of the other uh, companies. Our growth is in acquisitions and continuing to improve improve our operational performance. So, if you're asking me if the pull forward deaths are going to result in us having uh a a decrease in our revenue or a decrease in our growth or earnings i don't think that's the case because as i said in my prepared remarks i think that you're going to see us continue to grow through acquisitions and other things so we'll continue to see us improve our financial performance year over year as we have in the recent past okay thanks uh,
7: that's good um just uh, also on the revenue side, are you seeing any changes in average revenue per call trends since Q4?
3: Yeah, I was I was ready for that question, and the answer is yes. And it's it's interesting uh, to us because we've been keeping an eye on this, uh, as, as you know, because when we when we first came into the pandemic, we saw a drop. Uh, I think we reported around eight percent. Uh, in the second quarter compared to the first quarter. And then we saw it improve in the third quarter to about 3.5%-ish as the, uh, as the, the, the lockdowns and the, and the jurisdictional restrictions started to ease. Interestingly, in, as we went into the fourth quarter, when we saw what's been referred to as the second wave, at least here in the U.S., you saw those, it, we basically ticked up again to just a little north of 4%. Now, where does that story end? Well, now that we're seeing uh, the jurisdictional restrictions ease in most of our major markets through the first quarter, we've seen a full recovery in that average. So what does that say to me? It says what we have been saying all along, and that is it was the jurisdictional restrictions that was putting pressure on our average, not a change in consumer preferences, As a matter of fact, we actually saw when you tell people no in certain of our markets, especially in the southern part of the U.S., when the government tells them there's something they can't do, they tend to react negatively to that, and they want to do it. Uh, So, uh, again, to summarize the answer, while we did see some pressure on the averages in 2020, what we're seeing in 2021 is exactly what we expected, and that is the moment that the jurisdictional restrictions were relieved, Consumer preferences went back to doing what they wanted to do.
7: where do you see that trend going? you know you mentioned the the people doing what they are told they can't do, and that's very american um do you see that uh that um, the average revenue per call actually increasing over pre pandemic levels
3: you know i i i that's a I would be guessing uh we've all lived through this. I think we've all heard and talked about and seen death in terms that has never happened in anyone's lifetime, whether you're nine or 90. Um, What I think I can say is that the process of grieving, remembering a loved one who's died, those services have been kind of pulled to the forefront more than ever, and the desire to meet gather, remember people, go through that process, to me, seems even more uh, appreciated now than it might have been before a pandemic. So I think people are going to, at a minimum, Scott, go back to doing what they were doing before. I wouldn't be surprised if, I, if we didn't see an uptick in services, but that's a guess. That is a full, that's a full-blown guess. Um, and I'll make one more analogy The moment people opened restaurants around here, everyone wanted to go out and eat. So, I mean, and so I just think, you know, as as people are allowed to do things again, they'll want to do things that they missed. And I don't see how that wouldn't apply to our industry as well.
7: Yeah, there's a real liberating effect to uh, restrictions being lifted. Just uh, one more sort of housekeeping uh, item. Uh, Is the current liquidity position about $120 after the uh, acquisitions?
4: Scott. It's uh, Dan here. Uh, after the, the acquisitions, I think I mentioned our, our current liquidity is more around $105 million in my in my remarks.
7: Okay, great. Thanks very much, Brad and Dan. Turn Thank over.
1: you. Our next question comes from Maggie McDougall with Stiefel. Your line is now open. Morning. Morning, Maggie. Um, wondering if you guys can give us an update on some of
8: the organic projects that you have going on um, sitting here in Toronto we're still pretty restricted don't know if that's been impacting your Westminster project and uh, I'd also be interested just in a general update on the other things that you guys have going on
3: so uh, it, uh, the restrictions in Toronto definitely slowed down our construction of the Westminster project I think that we're now looking at a fourth quarter completion uh, and Uh, without the pandemic, I think it would have probably actually been done by now. So there was a fairly significant slowdown uh, on the Westminster uh, uh, build. As far as other organic projects, those continue to move forward as you would expect them to be. We had a board meeting yesterday. It's not a surprise. You have board meetings before you have earnings calls, and we just uh, approved a new build uh, of a funeral home here in Texas on one of our cemeteries. So uh, the projects that we have, whether they be mausoleums, cremation gardens, uh, new funeral homes, uh, you know, and, and eternal sunset in uh, and New Jersey is still growing uh, leaps and bounds. So our organic projects are moving forward uh, with the exception of uh, the Westminster project in Canada. Most of them are moving forward at pre-pandemic levels. I mean, I've been in probably six or seven states in the last three weeks, and uh, things are getting back to much more normal than they were when I was in those same states three months ago.
8: Okay, great. Thanks for that update. Um, Just a final question for me, circling back on some of the comments others have made uh, around the competitive environment um, with regard to acquisitions it sounds like obviously this has been a very tough operating environment for the mom and pop or smaller operator for a number of reasons. So first part of my question is, do you think that that has driven an uptick in terms of um, families who may be looking for succession plans for their, for their smaller um, funeral home or or cemetery businesses? And then um, secondly, uh, you know, has that, Sort of doubly impacted the opportunities that you've had for market share gains.
3: So, uh, from the acquisition standpoint, uh, our pipeline has been robust for a while. People are wanting to join our company, and you know, knock on wood, that continues for a very long time. Am I seeing an uptick in phone calls to us? Yes. Is it because the pandemic is letting up, or is it because people are tired? Your guess is as good as mine on that. I will tell you that just talking to people in the industry, it's definitely, uh, you know, running uh, or having a a death care company in the middle of a pandemic has not been easy, and it's certainly not been easy on the people who have single rooftops or two rooftops. So, yeah, uh, Maggie, I think that that's causing people to kind of reflect on what they're doing. I mean, we're worried about our own employees burning out and having difficulty, and Jay and I, are addressing that uh, bluntly as we speak, uh, just to make sure that people are okay. So, do I think that that's going to push acquisitions forward? Yeah, I think people are going to uh, probably look at their succession planning. As far as growing market share, uh, if you listen to you know, if you listen to SCI's phone call, they said something similar to what we've experienced, and that is. and and given our size and given their size when you have multiple locations in a market you can if one of them shuts down or you can move business to the other one if someone gets sick in one and you have to quarantine employees you got other employees around we definitely saw in many of our markets people uh and other funeral homes that either couldn't or just flat wouldn't serve families and we never did that so (laughs) if, if if the history Proves itself to be consistent with what we've seen in the past. If you serve a family once and serve them well, they come back, or they tell, or they tell other family members and friends. So, uh, yeah, I think we've earned market share through the pandemic. But it would be foolish to, quite, you know, to be on the phone call and say record, record, record. It's all because we have an awesome operating model. That's not it. Uh, it was definitely uh, part of, I'm um, part of that due to the pandemic.
8: Thanks, Brad. Thanks,
1: Daniel. Have a great day. Thank you. Our next question comes from Zachary Evershed with National Bank Financial. Your line is open.
8: Thanks. Congrats on the quarter, guys. Thank you very much. Good morning. Uh, So looking at the great comparable business growth in the quarter and maybe digging deeper on the market share gains. If you look at your at need volumes versus the pace of maturing pre need, can you guesstimate the magnitude of the market share gains that you think you got from your load balancing and how well you've done so far in 2021?
3: Yeah, so we're continuing to grow through the number of pre needs that we had. I don't know that the mix necessarily changed. Uh, Dan may have the exact number for you. But it's been pr- pretty consistent for us. Uh, I mean, I, I, I haven't. In other words, as I was looking at all of our numbers, that didn't jump out at me as something. Oh, I need to circle this and 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 be prepared to talk about it. So I, I really think our at need to pre need is pretty much the same. It was not the that was not the case in the second quarter, uh, but through 2020, it kind of it, it kind of equaled itself out. So I'm not seeing a big difference there. Uh, at all. So the at need uh, we're replacing the pre needs that are going at need. If that was your question.
8: Great, color, right. thanks. And then the completion of the three mausoleums resulted in the recognition of about 3.6 million in deferred sales. Uh, given the other construction projects that you guys have on the go, are there any other windfalls like that associated with construction completion?
3: Yeah. So that should be that's our normal business, right? You you should see this as we continue to roll through uh I mean it, so the the way the world works uh and maybe you don't want this level of detail, but you know these projects are on a list, and we look, we're looking at them, and you know the the use of our capital and how we how we spend it is obviously very important to us but if if one project gets completed uh, another one is going in, and so you should you should see this type of uh this type of activity from us as we continue to go through.
8: Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Thanks. I'll turn it over.
1: Thank you. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Our next question comes from Scott Fromson with CIBC. Your line is open. and Scott from your line is open.
7: Oh, hi. Sorry, I was muted. Um, just a, a quick uh, follow-up question uh minor point. Um do you see any change to the dividend policy now that you've you, you know, you you've got pretty good uh, acquisition and internal growth uh, prospects? Uh, just uh, thinking about use of capital.
3: Uh, on the dividend policy, is that what you said, Scott?
7: That's right. That's
3: right. Yeah. So uh, we talk about that every board meeting. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, we didn't, there, there's no change in what we're doing right now that I can see in the very near future. Uh, I believe that our highest and best use of capital continues to be uh, on acquisitions and growing. Uh, our internal rate of return is pretty good, especially on the ones that we started doing since 2019. And uh, so I don't expect there to be. Uh, any change in our dividend policy, but it is something the board discusses at every. Uh,
7: and yeah, I'm just wondering if uh, if it could be lowered. If, if, you know, you're sitting below uh, quite a bit below two percent, which is maybe the bogey for uh, inclusion in dividend funds. Yes,
4: yeah, Scott. Again, it, it's something we're looking at, but um, you know, we're we're just continuing to grow. And, and as Brad said, I think right now, as it stands today. Um, our highest and best use is is within the business.
1: Great. Thanks.
7: Great to hear.
4: Thanks, sir.
1: Our next question comes from Edward Friedman with CWB McLean & Partners. Your line is open.
8: Hello. I have just one question about uh, your debt metrics. I was wondering if there is any update on your uh, leverage uh, target. Previously, uh, you sort of removed uh, the target, the overall target, not um, the covenant uh, related targets. I was wondering if there is any update on this and that that you return these targets and what are they? Thanks.
4: Yeah, Edward, it's it's Dan again. Um, We we are not publishing a leverage target. um, And and it's important for us as we kind of grow to be flexible in in our use of various capital sources. Um, including including debt. Um, we'll look to using the best source of capital based on the situation at the time, the acquisitions in the pipeline, and, and what we need to do. Um, I, but I would say, you know, with respect to our growth and the size of our organization, as we get larger and our risk profile de- decreases, we do um, begin to have more appetite uh, for, for using debt, um, to to further that growth. Um currently we're we're sitting at two point six seven and I think our, our peers are kind of in the mid threes and in the mid fives. Um I, I definitely don't think we'll get up to the mid fives, but we're definitely going to grow from the two uh six we're currently at um to, to help support some of the growth initiatives we currently have on the go. Okay,
1: thank you. There are no further questions in queue at this time, I'll turn the call over to Brad Green for closing comments.
3: I really appreciate everyone joining us today and I hope you all have a great week. Thank you very much.
1: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.